Hello, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to MMA Daily, the station where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. My name is Gabriel. You can find me on social media at Double G on TV. I am joined by my favorite podcasting partner. She is an amazing reporter, and I get to call her my MMA wife on the air, the amazing Kayla Beatty. Kayla, I miss you. How are you? Hey, G. Hey, Fight fans. You can follow me at fangirl underscore MMA. I'm good. It's been a busy week. We've been um, full of work to do, I guess. You traveling on the road, me here holding it down in San Diego. How have you been? Well, I can't get away from you because every time I go to this event, they're asking where my other half is. And I get a little sad because I have to tell them that she just couldn't make the trip. Um, You know what? Well... One, I have you with me because you sent me some amazing music to keep me company. But two, it's really just been crazy. It's been very nice here up north. I've gotten to talk to so many fighters, both at Combate Americas and Bellator. So I'm looking forward to it. Tonight we have Combate. Um, Really just a curveball. Kira Batara was injured. Now we have this fighter, Brenda Enriquez, one and one stepping up to take on Lisbeth Silva, who really could have been fighting for the title tonight. And then you also have another fight, some local guys stepping up. So I'm excited. It's going to be a lot of fun. And of course, when we get to talking about Bellator, I'll be able to tell you about everything going on with all of the stars of that card. But Kayla, let me ask you. I mean, I think you're trying to make Miss Gloria Friedley jealous because first, you already have me, but two, now you're really not, you know, with your epic shorts on Instagram, like, I have, I have to keep guys away from you with the stick. I feel very threatened. What's up with you? Oh, well, you know, I have to do a little promo leading up to the epic fight night. And after my last post with Epic 37, I thought it'd be fun to make a little play um, leading up to Epic 38 next week, which we can talk more when we do our recap show. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I think you just want to make sure I didn't forget about you. So mission accomplished, Miss Kayla. Good job, though. No, um, look, it's been really busy. It's been quite the week in MMA. But the top story, of course, is the UFC signing the new ESPN Plus deal. I mean, really, just where do you start with it? Um, The UFC will now have 15 events on the ESPN Plus app that it just came out. They will be having a lot of exclusive content like um, the Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series, other access shows such as the countdown shows, the pre and post fight press conferences. And the deal is set right now at $150 million. But Kayla, here's the real kicker. That's not even it for the UFC. They are still going to have Fight Pass. They are still looking for a TV broadcast partner. Just what are your thoughts on this insane landmark deal? Yeah, I think it's just another moment in MMA history where, and UFC, you know, they have some smart people running the business. They're getting with the times. They're realizing that people, you know, they stream nowadays. Everyone's watching stuff on their phones, hooking stuff up to their TV now. Um, It's just where the world's going. And I think it was really clever for them to work out some sort of deal like this and it not be their only deal. I think that was really clever. 
Um, and I'm kind of excited to see how this mixes things up. I know that this last year or two, we were overwhelmed with the amount of fights. And maybe this will kind of make certain events more special. I know that was some of the feedback that fans had given saying, you know, um, because there's so many fights so often, these title fights aren't as aren't aren't looked at as like they they used to be. And so um, I've heard different rumors go around of, you know, certain um, not certain programming uh, holding more of those title fights. So it'll be interesting just to see how the layout works out. But I just think that it's them getting with the times. We see it with these amateur fights, wanting to stream them on Facebook Live. Um, it's just where the world's going. What do you think about it? I mean, it's a big move to be associated with the uh, sorry with the ESPN brand. I mm-hmm. think this is a sign that you're going to start seeing more UFC on Sports Center on the you know the morning the sports talk shows like First Take and others just more frequently. All that lends itself to growing the UFC brand, which is of course a brilliant move. To me, though, I think it's just a little bit of too much to go. There's a lot of MMA, but there's not exactly enough quality MMA to go around. For example, Fox owns the majority. Hello? Yes, I'm saying, what do you mean there's not enough quality MMA to go around? Okay, so, for example, right now, Fox owns all the fight nights and UFC on Fox events, and then there's pay-per-view, right? A couple Mm -hmm. of fight passes sprinkled in there. If you're ESPN, obviously you want to have the biggest fights possible because you want people to tune in or watch. If now the TV deal also, let's say, goes to Fox or NBC, well, they obviously want the biggest fights. For example, you know, everybody wants the biggest stars fighting on their network, but it's already hard enough to get enough of those special events, as you referred them to, on just Fox. How are you going to make sure it's even and fair between two different networks owned by two different companies, as well as the guarantee that you could put a star there? That doesn't mean they're going to have that super fight. So that, to me, is a little, it's a slippery slope. There are a lot of great positives to this deal, but it's a slippery slope. So I don't think that they're necessarily, I don't think that they necessarily have to be fair because one's a streaming a streaming event or, you know, on a streaming service and the other one's a pay-per-view. They're always going to be looked at as different, I think. Um, But yeah, that's what I think it'll be really, it'll be, I'm looking forward to at least seeing like how they lay out and and who gets which fights. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be scheduling. Um, I think it's going to turn into a nightmare. I think they're going to have to spend a good few months really figuring it out. And I really hope that um, with Sean Shelby and everyone that they do really sit down and really start trying to map out this year and hope guys have, you know, a very healthy 2019 to get the ball rolling. Because I think that's the biggest thing is you could schedule whomever injuries happen every week in this sport. That's really the tough kick for it. You know what scares me, G? What scares me is, like you said, if we're going to have more ESPN people talking MMA, I hope that they hire accordingly to have those people do the after shows, do the preview shows, um, you know, on this streaming service. Because after Connor's outbursts and, you know, people talking MMA, that it's not the sport that they usually cover, saying that this was just a lineup for Floyd and him in the octagon. 
I don't want to hear that kind of nonsense if I'm paying a certain amount of money to listen to streaming of people talk about a sport that they clearly aren't educated on. No, I completely agree. I think that um, obviously they have Brett Okamoto. I'd assume they're looking to expand their staff. I'm sure UFC will provide analysts and people to not just commentate, but really be part of those discussion shows to really help educate and be that voice of reason on shows that maybe only focus ever on NBA and NFL. So, yeah, Um, I'd like to point something out. I think what they should do, they should hire two gorgeous up-and-coming reporters who talk to these fighters on a weekly basis, probably already have a podcast, have great chemistry together, are a great team that looks out for each other and would deliver a great show. Do you know anybody like that? You're really feeling yourself today, G, thinking I'm posting for you, calling yourself gorgeous, adding another G adjective to describe yourself. But yeah, no, I know that we're a good team. Uh, That would be amazing. I would love to work alongside you and Brett Okamoto. I think we could have one of the best weekly shows on ESPN. We could just talk casually. We'll be the voice for the millennial crowd. I think we could be a hit. <laughs> but no, um, look, all fun aside, um, ESPN, you can find me on social media at Double G on TV. Just fill out the word double. Um, let's talk a little bit more of the serious part of it. Um, the ESPN Plus app for a year will cost you know or you could do it $4.99 but that actually ends up being a higher total $60 if you pay for it individually rather than just buy the annual fee so $49.99 plus $9.99 a month for fight pass plus the occasional pay-per-view Kayla let me ask you something because you and I are going to watch every event somehow We already know that. This is our job. This is our passion. How about this price increase for the more casual fans who are just, you know, they don't watch every single event like you and I do. Do you think this could start to make it, make the price too high for the casual fan of MMA in the UFC? I think so. And again, that just goes back to how they're going to schedule stuff. Maybe they're going to put the fights for casual fans on these pay-per-views and leave more of the fights that they know are hard for the hardcore MMA fans on ESPN. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. Yeah. To me, it's really um like when they first started Fox sports one, if you remember, obviously they had the big Kane junior fight on big Fox, but that first FS one card was like pay-per-view caliber, just stacked top to bottom. They're going to have to do that the first few months to make sure people feel like, oh, I really do need to get the ESPN app to watch these UFC fights. Um, It is still cheaper. I was doing the math just to compare. And let's say you have the NFL Sunday ticket where you watch all of those games. You're looking at $60 a month for six months, a total of $360. Definitely a lot more than you would pay for UFC. Same thing, NBA League Pass, every NBA game. $200 per year. So depending on how many pay-per-views you get, it is still cheaper to be a UFC fan, to put it that way. But it is going to be, fans are not going to be prepared to start seeing that kind of charge. I think that um, the fact that you can't just do $4.99 a month, I think the $50 annually 
is gonna turn a few people away because at least four ninety nine, they're like, yeah, I got five bucks to spare every month for this. Fifty dollars in one hit. I think that might dissuade a couple of fans enough that we see a number. So I think that's something to keep an eye on. But yeah, I mean, I obviously look like you said the scheduling is gonna work itself out. Um, final thoughts on this one before we go to the next story, because it is going to be something that is going to really dictate the next year in MMA. Yeah, and I think it's just going to, you know, trickle down. We know that UFC is the top promotion, so it'll be interesting to see everyone else kind of watch and see how it plays out, how it's done, and then, you know, put on their take of, of who knows, maybe this will change how Bellator's programming is. Obviously, we know some people aren't, thrilled with um you know their scheduling of their fights later in the evening with nowadays in social media you already know the results so i'm i think it's just a big move for mma and i'm excited to see you know if it uh works out for the better or not i mean i I just think that all they need to do is hire us and we'll be set I i think that's just the easy solution to all their problems all right, so who else is being honored since we haven't gotten that call yet? But ESPN, you can call us at 1-800-MMA-DAILY. Oh, I love that. we got to set that up. And fans are calling at that number one day, too. <laughs> um, USADA now is honoring fighters who passed 25 positive tests. In other, in other words, when I say positive, I mean, like, they are good. They had 25 clean tests saying they have not taken any banned substances, etc. And Kayla, I, I'm going to be honest, um, it's hard for me to get excited to say what they're getting. So if you pass 25 tests consecutively, you get a t-shirt that says, quote, follow my lead and 25x, in other words, 25 times. Um, it announced that they were also going to be releasing video testimonies on the website regarding the benefits of the anti-drug program. For example, in May, you're going to have fighters like heavyweight champ Stipe Miocic, Rafael Dos Anjos, and Tisha Torres doing videos. Um, Kayla, what are your thoughts on the in- this incentive by USADA? Because I, I'm not sure how I feel about it personally, but I want your take on it before I go. Yeah, I know everyone was kind of making jokes, laughing like, oh, all they get is a T-shirt and a shout out on the USADA website, which I don't know that many people that are going and checking out the website. But one, I think that the fighters that are actually fighting clean are very proud of, um, you know, just playing the sport, you know, fair. Um and, and it is still going to be promotion. Every time one of those videos comes out, the UFC is going to retweet it. Um, fans will, will retweet it. Who knows? Um, so it, it still is promotion out there. Um, I think it's good they're at least recognizing that, you know, there's at least 25 fighters that have been um, following the rules and, and fighting well, delivering good fights. Um, obviously Tisha Torres has, is one of the names of uh, someone who's been climbing up the ranking steep H current champion. Um, I do kind of wish that there would be more of an incentive money wise, just because we know that these athletes aren't getting paid what they should be. So I think that that would have been nice to cut them a little check. Um, but it's cool. I think that it's nice that it's at least being recognized and hopefully it will, uh, you know, 
get everyone else on the bandwagon to start following their lead and, and start, you know, playing fair and, and fighting clean. What do you think? Um, so the reason why I'm split is because, um, and, and this is a bit of a catch 22 because I am very guilty of this. Why do you reward someone for doing what they're already supposed to be doing by testing <laughs> clean? You know, like if I do, you know, if my job is to sell pots and pans, for example, and I sell pots and pans, should my boss be congratulating me? It's like, no, that's why I'm paid to go out there and sell these things. Employee of the month. <laughs> okay, yes, that is very true. That is very true. I wouldn't mind. But, you know, it's kind of the same thinking is that, you know, like, well, oh, good job staying clean. It's like, bro, you're supposed to be clean. <laughs> right. So in that way, I get why uh, I, I think there should be a bit of a check, too, because like, um, how do I put this? When you talk about Junior Dos Santos, look what just happened to him. Uh-huh. Look how much money he lost. Look at his reputation right now after that. Okay, you tell me you saw that when you have a negative, all that happens and you're not even guilty. But when you've actually been clean for 25 tests and all you're getting sent is a t-shirt, I, <laughs> I can't say that I feel very excited about that when you know the spectrum of, you know, consequences versus rewards. I think that to me is where the real hiccup is going on but that being said really just um anything to i think kind of provide a positive incentive should be viewed in a positive light because these guys and girls should be celebrated because it is very difficult i think to deal with the pressure i mean you i think if even if you've never tested um positive for something you've probably fought somebody who tested positive and maybe you were frustrated with it so I think there is something there in terms of being rewarded for, you know, keeping up with this when it is a difficult thing to do. But I also agree. I feel like there could be a little more going on. It feels like it's just too drastic a spectrum when you think about it. Let me ask you, if you, if you were going to get a 25 clean test, what color t-shirt would you want, Kayla? Red, my favorite color. What about you? Oh, my God, the same. we'd match everywhere huh twinning exactly yes but um yeah i'm looking forward to seeing like what these guys and girls say about it later on it's like i don't want to do a video can you just pay me like you know two thousand dollars and we'll call it a day i think that'll come up later on (laughs) um also real quick before i note this holly holm 35 positive tests she leads the way same thing for Chris Cyborg, 33 clean tests. Um, they had quite a lot of interesting names on that list. Vitor Belfort, too. Um, I think it was very interesting to see the fighters that they do just happen to randomly test more than anybody else. I think that's something very interesting to keep an eye on. Um, Kayla, last night I was just kicking back. I finished working uh, like more than 12 hours between driving and interviews i just really wanted to relax i go on twitter i see this story yair rodriguez cut by the ufc for turning down fights the la times states that dana white just released you um yair from his contract because he turned down fights with both zabit magomed sharapov and ricardo lamas for UFC 227 in LA in August. 
White reportedly said he can take his act elsewhere. Yair has not fought uh-huh. since May, where he lost to Frankie Edgar. Before that, he was 6-0 in the UFC. He won the Ultimate Fighter Latin America. What are your thoughts on this announcement? Because it really came out of left field in the middle of the night. Yeah, and from what I'm seeing, Yair tweeted fake news, and then Dana tweeted back and said real news. So um, it was pretty shocking. You know, they obviously had big plans for Yair. We all know that the talent's there. Um, And I was, I personally, um, you know, really appreciated how he came out recently. I think it was within the last month or two, stating that he was just in there getting his mindset right. He, you know, felt overwhelmed with the push that he was getting from the UFC, the responsibility of representing, you know, his country. Um, so he needed to get his head head right. And I feel like as long as the fighter is communicating, you know, unless you've been out for over, I guess it is coming up on a year, but like without communication, I think that dropping him is a little drastic. I think the only, you know, reason I could see why this was going on is that, Maybe the communication there got a little hostile. Maybe they're seeing that they have these other young guys like Sugar Sean O'Malley, um, you know, plenty of other new talent that they'll just push instead. But um, I don't know. Out of anyone, I wouldn't think that they'd want to drop Yair just because of the talent that he, you know, has shown already. But at the same time, too, you know, when those fights uh, against some of the names you just mentioned were being thrown around, I myself as a fan was super excited. So I'm also disappointed in him for not wanting to step up because it's like, hey, man, you know, you're, you're in your prime. If this is really the sport that you want to compete in, you have to come back eventually. How long is it going to take? Yeah. So to me, um, the first one on the fake news. If you, you probably saw them this week like I did. They were announcing Yair Zabit is official for August, and they were really kind of trying to say that this is a done deal. Yair at that point tweeted fake news as if to say, no, I'm not fighting Zabit. The second that this story is starting to circulate that he's been cut is when Dana says the tweet real news. Mm. And I think that's what that was in response to. And I'm like... Look, that that that's a little, you know, that should be a behind the scenes thing. Now, um, I, I, I will say this because I had this conversation with someone and it doesn't just apply to Yair, but Mackenzie Dern, um, a little bit of Sage Northcutt, Mickey Gall and some of these other young guys who are getting attention early is that when you are getting all this attention at this age. Yes, you obviously want to, everyone wants to be, you know, the next big thing. There's a lot of hype that goes along with it. However, you also still have to develop your skills, and that is something that only happens in the gym, not in fight camp. In fight camp, you're training to give yourself the best opportunity to win, which means if you're a ground guy or if you're a pure stand-up guy, you are training to keep the fight on the feet and to win on the feet. You're not necessarily worried about learning the ins and outs of jiu-jitsu night in or night out or working on your stand-up and not even touching your gi every night that can't really you don't get time for that when you're a young star because the UFC wants to keep you training and fighting as quickly as possible each time and I think for Yair like you said he wants to get his mind right he's acknowledged he has room to grow in his game 
But then you go off the map and suddenly there's pushback from not just the UFC, but fans because they're like, well, we have you. Why aren't you fighting? And I always say this. Let's say Mickey Gall, for example, hasn't fought since November. And he were to say, I don't want to take a fight. I don't feel like my skills are good enough yet. I just want to work on them before I get back in the cage. What are fans going to say? Well, why are you in UFC anyway if your skills aren't up to that yet? If you're in UFC, you should fight. I think that's the thing about the Yair thing that is really that catch-22. He wants to work on his skills. UFC wants to get him in there. Um, I think that's really what it comes from. Kayla, let me ask you. Let's say that um, let's say you're Yair Rodriguez. Do you feel like you have the pressure to compete, or do you really think it was just he needs to take his time to learn on his skills? Um, I mean, it's probably a little bit of both. We know that they were really trying to push him. I had read, you know, something, I think, I don't know, maybe summer of last year, how they were really trying to get, um, you know, Mexico on board and, you know, have a fan base like they do with boxing. So... Um, it was probably a little bit of both. And, you know, like we're saying, you want to respect that Yair had to get his head right and make sure this was something he wanted. But I just think that um, the politics came into play. Yeah, I mean, it's clearly just one of those things that um, only he and Dana White in the UFC know exactly what was going on. Um, I will say this real quick. If you remember when they were talking about Zabit and Yair, I said that Yair wants nothing to do with that man. His ground game is really just next level, and I don't think Yair was ready for it. Standing up, it was going to be the most fantastic fight ever. I'm not going to lie if they just keep it standing. But the ground game of Zabit, I think if I'm Yair, that's why I wouldn't want that matchup. Ricardo Lamas, less dynamic but still a veteran. Maybe Yair thought that he also has more tricks in the bag than he was ready for, and he really wanted to win. Um, so I don't know. It really could go either way. I do want to be devil's advocate to say Yair probably wouldn't have, I wouldn't have favored Yair in either of those fights to win. I will say that now. But he is not without options. If he really is out of the UFC, they're not about to reconcile and bring him back into the fold. Kayla, do you have a promotion you'd like to see him fight for next? Um, I think that he could do well in the PFL. I think he could do well at Bellator. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he's young and has talent. So it's just wherever, I mean, Bellator obviously is somewhere that people feel happy with just because the communication and politics there don't seem to be as bad. Unless you're Paul, yeah. Daly. Paul Daly feels differently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I, I will let you know about that shortly. Let me tell you. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that um, PFL and Bellator obviously are always going to be right there because they're the second biggest to UFC. I'm going to say this, though. Combate Americas. They uh-huh. take care of their people. And let me tell you something. I know how excited they were to get Eric Goyito Perez. If they can get Yair, too, and a talent like Yair, let me tell you, Combate's featherweight division is easily the most exciting, and I think that Yair could really make waves in there. 
And because of the large Hispanic fan base, I really think that a lot of fans of that promotion who watch on Spanish TV would be very excited about having a guy like Yair there. So I wouldn't count that out because it's sort of the big fish, small pond kind of deal when you join that organization. But the fact is you have a lot of opportunity to be your own star, whereas in Bellator or PFL, you really would still be going into a shark tank where there's a lot of high risk, low reward because you don't have the UFC brand behind you. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, so I'll be talking to some people about that tonight, which is very exciting. Kayla, this next one, um, the last news story of the day, I really wasn't sure how I felt about it. I just think it wasn't positive, but let's bring it up. Rumors are stating that George St. Pierre could be fighting Nate Diaz at UFC 227 in Los Angeles. Kayla, I think we're going to have to buy some tickets, get our friends maybe, and hang out because this card is getting a little crazy with the rumors. GSP hasn't fought since he won the middleweight title last November. Conor McGregor is coming up on close to, sorry, Diaz is coming up on close to two years since the rematch with Conor McGregor, his last fight. What do you think about this matchup? Are you excited for it? Why or why not? I just find it hard to believe um, because, well, or maybe not even hard to believe, but it's, it is hard to get excited about just because we saw GSP, you know, blow up to 185. Now he's going to drop down to 155. We already know that he was having some health issues for, from, you know, jumping up in weight. Um, and, you know, putting his body through that. So I, I don't like the idea of GSP, who's by far my favorite fighter, putting his body through even more hell just to, for a money fight. Like, that's not how I want to see him go out. So, um, yeah, it doesn't really make me um, super excited. But if it's going to happen, if it's going to happen in L.A., I'd love to see GSP fight live and see Nate Diaz, his return, because obviously that's going to be nuts. Um, but the actual matchup, I don't love. What do you think? Um, when people... Okay, so I have a very um, weird take on the Diaz brothers. Um, I think they're very exciting, both Nick and Nate. They really do bring it every single time. I'm never going to say they don't. That being said, I am always the first one to point out that every time they fight somebody who's really elite level, they get destroyed. For example, yes, Nate defeated Conor McGregor. It was very exciting. No one expected it. Rory McDonald literally threw him around the cage. Rafael Dos Anjos turned him into, you know, ground beef with leg kicks. Benson Henderson just absolutely put on a clinic on the ground. Every time they fight somebody who's actually going to put it all together, they really don't do very well. And so for GSP, I just don't see Nate really having that answer for him, if I'm being honest. Also, if you're George St. Pierre, of all the fights you could take, defending the middleweight title, I know the weight thing, hypothetically, against Robert Whitaker, that would have been a bigger fight. I'd be excited. 170, Tyrone Woodley, you know he would love that matchup. That would be a very competitive, exciting fight. But when you're talking about Nate Diaz at 155, that really doesn't do much for me. You know, yes, Nate would bring it. It would be two familiar names. But I can't say that I would get 
Like, let's say they weren't on a stacked card. If it was just them, I can't say that I would see it being this mega event. And I think that's my thing at the end of the day is I just don't see it being competitive enough to feel like GSP should do it or if Nate Diaz even has a chance of winning. And I think that's my real um, hang-up about this matchup if it does come to fruition. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that the more lore around it, too, is just that it would be Nate's comeback. You know, that's definitely bringing a lot of um, hype leading up to this fight. But we'll see what happens. There's definitely been fights, you know, in the past thrown around just trying to get people to, to chat about the UFC or chat about a certain card. So, I, I, I will say this. I, when I think about this fight, and I've used this analogy before, I think about it's about as unlikely as Batman versus Superman, but we saw it anyway, so... That's that's why we have these fights, I guess. Moving on to the best part of our show, the fight predictions and previews. So this time we're going to start with Bellator and with UFC. So just to talk about it, I spoke with all of the guys, um, Bader, Mo, Daily, Fitch, um, some really motivated guys. I'll give my take on them um, second. Kayla, let's talk about the main event, heavyweight Grand Prix, the last fight, Ryan Bader versus King Mo for the last spot in the semifinals. Give me your thoughts on the fight and how you're feeling about it. Well, let's hear from you first, G. You're the one that talked with them. We got two wrestlers. We got them in the Grand Prix, the smallest guys of the Grand Prix. So where are their heads at? Um, Mo is very relaxed. Um, he, like, for example, they did the sandwich contest. Um, Ryan Bader won, but Mo told me I'm the biggest Joey Chestnut fan. For fans who don't know, Joey Chestnut is a famous competitive eating contest participant. He just (laughs) wins a lot of these. And Mo told me I am a big Joey Chestnut fan and I don't care that the other people voted for Bader. Joey picked my sandwich, so I already won, in my opinion. And <laughs> he's been very candid. He explained his hip sur- resurfacing procedure and how he's feeling great. He feels very relaxed. He knows that Ryan is the light heavyweight champion and all this. He feels very motivated to just go put on a show. Ryan Bader insisted to me he knows that King Mo isn't the most attractive star in the tournament. He's not the Fedor or the Che. This going on, but he knows that King Mo is very dangerous and he is not sleeping on him. Doesn't matter the surgeries or the procedures. So I think you're going to get a very gritty performance out of these two. And what I like that I read too, is that Ryan Bader said, you know, I'm only fighting three rounds. Um, his title isn't, you know, the current title he holds isn't on the line. So it seems like he's kind of going in this, you know, not that he's not taking it seriously, but he's looking to get in there and have fun and make it more of an explosive fight since he only has those three rounds to get the job done. I think he, from what I read and stuff you're saying, seems like he's in a better headspace, but who knows? It'll be interesting to see because if King Mo feels like, you know, that hip injury, which is a big injury, has been holding him back. And if he feels like finally getting that surgery is, um, you know, turned him almost into a new fighter again, that gets me excited because I feel like we're going to see both guys like in good places in their careers competing against each other. 
Yeah, I mean, for me, though, I think that um, for King Mo, it's all about sprawl and brawl, make it ugly, make get Ryan Bader in the pocket and really force him to fight you. Ryan Bader, though, I feel like tit for tat, his skills are just a little bit better. I think he'll be able to set up to get him either a shot under Mo to get him on his back or even get in and out with more crisp striking than Mo has showed. So I favor Ryan Bader um, by decision. I think that King Mo is a tough guy that's very difficult to get out of there. But I see Ryan Bader being able to do everything he needs to to take three decisions, three rounds away from Mo and get the win. What about you? First fight, we're in agreement. I feel the same way. I think he's going to be able to um, get in and out of there and, and outpoint King Mo, but I don't see him getting a finish. All right. Well, we will see that. That one's on Saturday. By the way, another Bellator UFC head-to-head. It'll be interesting what the numbers are like on Monday. <laughs> the co-main event, these guys were very cool to talk to, both John Fitch and Paul Daly. Um, John explained to me a lot that um, he is not sleeping on Paul Daly. I asked him, like, bro, everyone thinks, like, all you got to do is get a takedown and it's probably a wrap. He doesn't see Paul Daly that way. He believe he knows how dangerous Paul is. Paul, on the other hand, knows that he wants more for himself. He told me he has not talked to Scott Coker yet. Um, if you remember, and yes, I am the reason this happened. I asked Scott <laughs> Coker in January about MVP. Paul Daly watched that conference. Heard me ask that question. Scott gave his answer, and that led to his outburst on social media. So um, I did not remind Paul that it was my fault. By the way. <laughs> I was going to say, G. Uh, hey, is, is, were you thinking it's like, was he, was he like, you're the one who asked Scott Coker? And it's like, no, nah, that was that other spiky-haired guy. Everyone always thinks I look like him. <laughs> no, but um, he told me he has not talked to Scott Coker, but he did not shy away from the fact that he wants to just still put on a show. I asked him. The Michael Page fight is still out there. We know you want that one. Lorenz Larkin says he's not fighting anybody besides you. Paul Daly said, you know, I'm a man of my word. I promised MVP a fight. I promised Lorenz a fight. And I'm a man of my word. So he made me excited to see what he can bring. John Fitch, he's a veteran. He's calm, collected, and he says he's ready to drag Paul Daly into deep water. So I'm excited for it. Yeah, I think um, it's going to be interesting because, you know, John Fitch hasn't been the most active of fighters, but he's saying that he's not old. Don't count him out yet. Um, And, you know, with these guys, some of these old veterans joining uh, the Bellator roster, some of them have done really well, almost getting a resurgence of their career. Um, So I'm excited just to see him compete. And then, you know, with Paul Daly, it's interesting because you would think after a few of his fights where someone's been able to, you know, get him off his feet where he's most dangerous and take him to the ground, you would think he'd go back in the gym and say, all right, let me become more of a well-rounded fighter and stop relying on my deadly, deadly hands. But I don't know, like the, the few times I've interviewed and talked with his team, um, he, I feel like he's so far along in his career that he's like, I'm not changing my game. I want to be a striker. And, you know, the guys that take me to the ground, like, they're just scared. Like, he wants to stick to that plan of of just being deadly on the feet. So 
I, I don't know. I would like to think that maybe he worked on at least takedown defense more or some of his ground game going against John Fitch, but something in my stomach tells me that he didn't and he's just planning to look out for another knockout so he can remind Bellator that he should be um, treated as one of their marquee fighters, like he's saying. So either way, um, very excited to see both of these guys perform. I really like this fight, and I, I, I think it's a treat to watch either of them compete. So I think, though, that I'm going to predict – I don't know. I'm predicting a knockout by Paul Daly. I just think he's going to go in there with um, – picturing Scott's face on, on John. (laughs) (laughs) How do you, with his hands or with his knees or what is he going to deliver? Um, (laughs) I don't know. I'm picturing with his, with his fists, maybe like a, no, I don't don't even want to say like a Superman punch, but I'm not going to try and predict what type of, (laughs) of, of knockout, but I'm picturing a knockout. What do you think? He's gonna knock. He's gonna knock him out. Follow him up on the ground when he's asleep, saying, "Damn you, Scott!" <laughs> I think he's just no, gonna be no. a little bit more quick to to get the fight started than John. For some reason, I'm feeling like John might need one little tune-up fight. Unfortunately, it's against Paul Daly to get his, um, you know, feet settled in Bellator. I'm feeling the same way. I, I, I'm actually picking Paul, too, which surprised me because when I first heard about the fight, I really thought it's like, well, that's probably John Fitch all day. But uh, going into it tomorrow, I really feel like Paul Daly, for the same reasons, has the momentum, knows what he wants to do. Um, in terms of the wrestling thing, you really see this out of guys like the Diaz brothers, Rampage, a few others that just don't have the big name. You know, they're not about winning as much as being exciting all the time. Uh And really, you know, like they'll admit it like, yeah, I could probably do more kicks. I should probably do more wrestling and all that. But I want to go out there and fight and put on a show. And I, you know, I still accept fights with everybody. So they put me with a wrestler. Well, we're going to do what we're going to do. It's going to happen. But um, that they're more about just putting on the show the way they do. The two, I appreciate that. Yeah, the two times I've interviewed Paul Daly, he never brought up wanting to go after a title. He brought up wanting to go after super fights, exciting fights. It is interesting. Yeah, so, like, uh, if one, I appreciate it because I know you're going to try to go to put on a show. But if I'm being honest, I'm also not going to be the biggest you know, supporter and saying, I think you can beat X, Y, Z because I know that your game is going to stay limited because you're taking that approach at the end of the day. I think that's really, you know, I I hate to use that phrase again, but a catch 22. It's like, yeah, I love that you're exciting, but I'm not going to pick you to win just because you do that. Mm -hmm. Um, That being said, it could very well be another John Fitch show. And, you know, he reminds us why we shouldn't count him out and et cetera. I will say this real quick before we move to UFC. I think depending on the length of John Fitch's contract, he enters at a great time. Let's say he only has four or five fights. He's got a great style matchup with Paul Daly. Could easily fight Rory McDonald and win or lose. Maybe gets two more big fights after that with MVP, maybe Douglas Lima or someone else. So if this is how he wants to go out with some big fights, 
he's in the perfect position to do so. I think it's going to be very fun to see his run for the next year, starting on Saturday night. Moving on, though, to the big show on Saturday, UFC 224, Rio de Janeiro. So, of course, it's another Brazil versus world card. But, man, Kayla, this one is stacked, if I may say so. Starting with the Bantamweight Championship for the ladies, Amanda Nunes looks for title defense number three against top contender and one of my favorites, Raquel Pennington. A lot of ways we could go with this one, but give me your take on the fight. Yeah, I mean, you have been such a fan of Rocky for so long, and I think what's really exciting about this fight is both ladies are just so skilled, and the fight really could go, you know, in a lot of different ways. They're, um, you know, very, obviously very talented on the feet. Both ladies have their um, certain skill sets even just there of, of where they shine, and some, and some of it is very similar um, and then, you know, if it does go to the ground, Amanda's known to be deadly there with um, heavy ground and pound. But then Raquel Pennington has the slick, uh, you know, ground game and, and um, her submissions and and just groundwork. The, the thing that worries me, though, is both ladies have such respect for each other that I actually am predicting this one to be one of the more boring fights I'm <gasps> worried. I'm really worried that both ladies respect each other so much that it's going to either take a round or two to finally heat up, or I'm really hoping that we don't get a like Tyron Woodley, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson of just both ladies being too hesitant because they're so worried about each other's damage. What do you think? You're, you're hoping they channel their inner Cub Swanson? Is what you're saying? Yeah, Intercup Swanson <laughs> or Justin Gaethje. Come on, pull it out. <laughs> One of these guys, the spirit of someone. No, um, I, I think that is a very real thing. Um, my thing about it is that they both do a lot of similar things, although I think Amanda's more potent. I think that she has more power in her striking, maybe a little bit cleaner. Rocky is more of a high-volume, really in-your-face kind of fighter. Um, I kind of say she's like the Bantamweight Jessica Andrade, and you know how I feel about that gangster. The thing about it to me is, um, one, I think Amanda, a little more power on the feet, better ground game. I think cardio favors Raquel, but that's where the intangibles come in. She's had a lot of injuries, hasn't fought in over a year. Now coming up on, I think, even over a year and a half, it is very hard for me to go out and just say Raquel is going to be the best Raquel we've ever seen. I don't have the most confidence in that. It's just because the circumstances are so big and you know what she's been through. So I think that to me is one of them. Um, I think that when I break it down, Amanda really has to be the aggressor. I think she really has to take the heart away from Rocky early. If you're Rocky, you got to take a page out of Valentina's book, high volume, but even you can't just counter, get in and out. You really have to run away with it in terms of volume because we saw that with Valentina, she would be the more technical striker. She would land more accurately, but she didn't do it enough. And Amanda hits so hard that when she touches you, she makes up the deficit. That's really the thing. Can Rocky put, implement the right strategy for possibly 25 minutes against a, such a dangerous opponent. That's really going to be the answer to it, and I don't know how it could go. 
Kayla, though, I am going to toss it to you. One's got to win, one's got to lose. Who do you see get taking the Bantamweight title on Saturday? I feel like it's going to be and still champ, but by decision and maybe even a controversial de- decision because they're in Brazil. Oh. Very specific. What do you think? No, uh, I, that is a very real one. Um, I've been favoring Amanda. I think it's good. We're going to learn a lot in those first five minutes. How does Rocky handle everything? Um, here's the thing, though. I never count Rocky out because I know how tough she is. She's a very exciting in-your-face fighter. That all bodes well for her against someone who's a slower starter like Amanda. But, man, it really just comes down to that championship battle-tested experience of the, you know, the lioness. So I'm going with Amanda Nunes just because I think the intangibles and everything we do know is all in her favor. But it has the potential to be a close fight if Raquel pulls out some special. I think you can't count that out of her abilities. But controversial, that... We're going to be playing that clip on next week mm-hmm. when the, if it happens, because that would be something. The next one, Ronaldo Jacare Souza versus Kelvin Gastelum. The winner most probably gets the next shot at Robert Whitaker or Yoel Romero, who fight next month. Kayla, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, you know how I feel about Kelvin at 185. We like Jacare. What are your thoughts on this fight? Yeah, I'm so excited to see Jacare compete any day. So um, very excited he's on this card. And Kelvin's really warming up to me. I think that, um, you know, he has been able to make weight recently. Um, Obviously has that big win against former champ Michael Bisping. Um, So this is just going to be another big test for him. Um, he's been fighting some of these top guys to see where he should fall in, you know, the 185 or, or, um, or welterweight division. So, um, I, yeah, I like this fight. Um, I guess skill wise, um, I think, let me see. I want to look at Jacare's who has he fought recently? Is he coming off of a loss? Uh no, he, he just knocked out Derek Brunson in one oh, round. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Before that, he lost the knockout to Robert Whitaker last May. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. I mean, both guys are very skilled. I think that um, I'm trying to remember how Kelvin looked at 185. I feel like I remember him looking good. I think that you you feel like he looks better at 170, right? I think that when you really put him against a uh, I'll a say real like 185-er. Yes, Vitor Belfort. That could have been his retirement fight. I think that Kelvin had all the reasons to win that fight, and it played out the way it did. Same thing for Tim Kennedy. Now, he had against Chris Weidman, someone with still a lot of years and miles left in MMA. He really just showed why that size is so important. Really just manhandled Kelvin in the, you know, after the first few minutes. Same thing against Michael Bisping. Yes, former middleweight champion. That did a lot. There's a lot of question about his chin. I will say this, though. I will give that to Kelvin. I think he caught Michael Bisping in a good time, in a good place, which is why I give him a chance against Jacare. But when you look at Jacare, the only reason he hasn't fought for the middleweight title is because he's been on a parallel path with Yoel Romero, and we all know how good Yoel is. 
it was really either of those guys just doing their thing. Could have gone either way for a title shot. So I think for Kelvin, this is kind of his real test. If yeah. he could take out a guy like Jacare, you really do a lot to make people stop talking about you at 170. And I always say this once again about Kelvin. The only reason he's at 185 is because he admits he's not disciplined enough to stay on weight between fights to make welterweight, which is unfortunate. And it makes it tough for me to praise him when he admits something like that, because why should you be given a pass that the other fighters aren't? Yeah, I mean, at least it's his choice that he wants to take the chance of being the smaller 185-er. But yeah, I mean, when you look at Jacare's record, his losses were to Robert and Yoel, who are, you know, obviously champ and, and number one ranked. So I think it's really, like you said, going to be a good test for Calvin. Really put a, um, you know, him for him in perspective for all of us. But I think that the talent is there. He's obviously quick. Um, I think as long as he can play it smart and not get trapped with Jacare in a bad position, but I think I'm favoring Jacare just over experience. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Something's telling me that Jacare is just going to be able to take on this still young, fresh guy. But I think this will be a good learning fight for Calvin. I don't know. I mean, I heard crocodiles are very dangerous in Brazil, if I may say so. Um, really, uh, I think for Kelvin, get in and out. You are not the bigger fighter. You are the smaller fighter, and that should help you. Jacare is a more plodding, slower guy. Um, so Kelvin stylistically has a lot working for him. That being said, I think that Jacare has really made such improvements. I see him being able to counter Kelvin when he comes in. And with his power and his size, I think he has the tools to get the job done. Threatened with takedowns, so Kelvin doesn't want to overcommit to strikes, and you have a problem. I see Jacare getting the job done second round. Uh, no, first. Late first, I think he finally just lands the shot or gets the sequence he needs to take out Kelvin. Yeah, I'm thinking, I, well, I don't know if I see it in first, but yeah, I see it early in the second. Yeah, it's going to be quite something, I think. Um, the next one, Vitor Belfort versus Leota Machida. The last fight of Vitor Belfort, he says he's not retired. However, let's not make it, let's not get it twisted. He is not going to be inside the cage competing anymore, I think is what we've still figured out. Um, Caleb, Vitor's a legend. Before we talk about the fight, do you have a favorite Vitor Belfort moment? Man, I mean, he's definitely one of the fighters that I remember watching and, and really liking, obviously, like right around the time that I started watching with my ex-boyfriend who got me into it, um, you know, watching him in Pride and some of the early UFCs. Um, I can't think of a specific fight, but I know, like, I really was attached to his story, especially, you know, the tragedy that happened with his sister and him overcoming that and getting back into the octagon and using his voice to bring awareness about all the craziness of people going missing every year. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a reason why he has his legacy and started out as one of the youngest guys winning the UFC tournament um, that they had. But um, specific fights, uh, maybe like fighting, was it Dan Henderson? Oh, yes, that was a great one. 
I remember that fight. Like, it's hard for me to think back that far. <laughs> I don't have no, your, I mean, your great memory. I, I, I just make it seem like I do. I forget stuff all the time. Um, what I always remember about Vitor, I, I do remember that storyline. I thought it was so crazy. Like, imagine if that happened to one of the stars today, um, how much attention it would get with social media really insane to think about um so really he's had quite a storied career what stands out to me he was one of those first guys who was great on the feet he had amazing hands and striking he had great jujitsu and he was athletic he was that first guy similar to how george st pierre and other guys eventually followed the mold but great athlete who had good stand-up and good ground he was one of those first prototype guys and I think that lended itself to his longevity um, I'll, I'll pick this moment when he knocked out Rich Franklin it probably doesn't stand out to a lot of people um, but I pick it because I actually was late to the Vitor Belfort party so when he made his UFC comeback that's when I was introduced to him and that's the first time I remember seeing him fight live so I'll say that one but now against Lyoto Machida, he's up against quite the veteran himself. Um, I, there's a lot of reasons why the Dragons should win this one that are pretty obvious. But what about you, Kayla? How do you see it going down? Um, I mean, I think it's going to be a fun fight because I think that if it is in Vitor's mind that this could be his last one and he's fighting in Brazil and against a guy that, you know, they both are talking wow, we've both been around for so long, so long and have never fought each other. I think both men are going to provide a, a, an exciting fight. I think because they're both competing against each other that are maybe on the same level of just like wear and tear and being around um, with that experience that they might feel like it's a little bit more of a fair fight. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's we have Vitor who, you know, has very heavy hands and power. And then we have Leoto Machida that obviously has his, um, you know, uh, elusiveness. Yes. Thank you. Um, but I don't know. This was on a fight that I was wanting to watch both men's last performance because I'm trying to remember how Leoto looked in his last fight. I don't remember being super impressed um, when he got that split decision. So, I don't know. For some reason, something's favoring Vitor. I feel like just because, you know, he's looking at this as his last fight. Um, so, I'm, I'm favoring maybe he's going to be looking to end it in an exciting way and be more of the aggressor. But, um, I don't know. I also, well, now it's coming back to me, Leo Machida's fight. I feel like he looked good. He just looked a little slow. But I don't know. I'm going to say Vitor Belfort in the – actually, I'm thinking that it's going to go to decision, but I think that Vitor is going to have some fun moments in there. That's what my gut's telling me. What do you think? Um, I, I got to go with the I, – I like how you were very conflicted but found your way to your answer. Um, I, th I think it's cute. Um, I, I'm favoring the dragon. The thing about Vitor is that he comes out strong those first few minutes, but then because he knows he has issues with his cardio, he really just slows down too much. And I think that Lyoto is the perfect guy to either counter him when he's charging and avoid him. And as the fight goes on, just pick him apart from the outside. So 
it's not personal. It's just business. Um, Vitor Belfort, I hope he has a good showing for himself. But that being said, Leota Machida knows that he may only get a few more chances at this too. I think that Leoto is going to have a good performance, and I think he's going to get the W. Um, I actually think a decision, I don't, well, I'm really trying oh, to think. Oh, someone of else is conflicted. Uh, I'm trying not to get sentimental about Vitor Belfort and think that Leoto might take some heat off of it. I actually think he'll be able to get Vitor out of there late first, early second. And okay. it's not it's not personal. It's just style. Uh, Vitor's going to lead the opening. Lioto still has that pop that'll get him out of there. Um, the next one. This one hit a lot of controversy this morning. Mackenzie uh-huh. Dern against Amanda Cooper. Before anything, Mackenzie Dern weighed in at 123 pounds for a fight where she was supposed to weigh in at 115, seven, sorry, 8 pounds. Um, Kayla, just what is your reaction to something like that before we break down the fight? It's disappointing because here, you know, she's taking on this fight, um, saying that she can rebound and, and, and come jump in there, you know, um, after what, how long has it been? She just fought like a March. Yeah. Um, so it's disappointing and then it's disappointing too, because you have this momentum of people being excited about you being this prospect and, you know, you can't make weight and you're making, you're missing weight by that much. Um, it's very disappointing. I think she looked, you know, you saw it on her face when she went in for the weigh-ins. She knows that she messed up. Um, I really commend Amanda Cooper and I hope other people do too, that she's down to still take this fight. Um, because obviously a lot of others would have walked away and said, you know, F that, um, just out of pride or, you know, fight or safety. Um, but yeah, I think it's really going to affect her performance too. Yeah. I was actually really favoring Mackenzie strongly. Um, I think her momentum and her confidence is really shot after this. I think it's very embarrassing and disappointing, like you said, um, for Mackenzie, I mean, here's the thing. She talks about, I'm okay with the pressure, and it's been several fights. Why do people keep asking me about my weight? Unfortunately. And so it's hard to really, you know, she has, like Kelvin and other people, you have to answer it plain and simple. And I think that Mackenzie is in an awkward spot now. Um, for Amanda, what I heard is that she immediately said, I'm still fighting Mackenzie Dern. Like, she was ready to fight. She was not worried about that at all. I think that says a lot about her mindset and her, you know, how hungry she is to play spoiler in Brazil. Um, When I break down the fight, I don't think she's as good a striker as Ashley Yoder. I do think that she still has a little bit better hands, but it's her tenacity. She was Uh her last win against Angela Magana in her face, and then just softened her up for about 10 minutes with ground and pound, submission attempts before she got the finish by accumulation of strikes. I think that this is a big, big fight for Mackenzie Dern to show that she can rebound mentally because really, after this, Amanda Cooper has every reason she should win it now. So I think it's going to be very interesting. What about you? Does Mackenzie get it done, or is Amanda Cooper now just really firmly in her head mentally? 
Yeah, I thought Amanda looked great. I, I definitely saw the tenacity, like you're saying, and that's why I think that she, if Mackenzie's spirit is broken a little bit, I think that that'll really favor her in this. I do think that I hope Amanda watched Tate back and saw that maybe she was a little too eager with that and maybe is able to go in there with better composure this time. But I, the reason why I'm favoring her too, and even before you know the missing weight, I knew this was still going to be a good fight, is – She's someone that is her and her team are watching tape. She's evolving with each fight. And I think that um, what's great about this for both ladies is I think that um, Mackenzie knew that Amanda's not going to be trying to take this to the ground that I think just prepping for each other, maybe not so much Mackenzie, but I think that just training for this fight of going against a submission, you know, specialist, I think that that's, um, you know, just going to have evolved Amanda's game and turned her into a better fighter, just prepping for takedown defense or submission defense, you know, if, if it does get down there. So um, I'm still very excited for this fight, but I definitely think that Mackenzie seems like someone um, that just needs to, who knows, maybe mature in the sport a little bit and, and learn how to handle the pressure. And this is what we were worried about. G. remember when we talked about this um, and, and, you know, her jumping into the UFC after only one fight with Invicta, was it too soon? Was everyone pushing her too fast instead of letting her get some experience? This might be part of that outcome of her just moving along too quickly, you know, knowing that everyone's going to be pushing for her to jump on this Brazil card and take all these fights with more experienced ladies in the UFC. Yeah, I mean, you also have to remember she was essentially asked to lead the MMA lab um, apparently the coaches felt like she just wasn't committing the kind of time mm. she needed to with that team. Um, she has been saying she's been training in Los Angeles. And at first I thought that is probably a better move because if you're feeling better, if you're just in a better space in your life, you're more open to growing as an individual. Clearly though, this pro you can't, I feel like there's a direct correlation, even if she hasn't said it yet, but we'll find out after the fact. Um, I have every reason to feel like Amanda Cooper has the edge in this one. Mackenzie will still have the home crowd. She still has great jujitsu, so I'm not going to count that out. But um, with all these new things happening, I think it's going to favor Amanda Cooper. I have her taking, um, taking a decision in this one. I have her by um, TKO or KO, I think in the late second, early third. Damn, Kayla, what did Mackenzie do to you? <laughs> no, no, just, just the feeling I have. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Anyways, we have lots of exciting fights, though. Just talking about it has me pretty pumped for tomorrow. But, how? you know, we're going to have to figure out how we're going to watch all of these fights. I know you're going to be there live. Hopefully, the guys will be set up with UFC streaming on a laptop in your view. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna be making so many friends. Like, hey, what's up, man? That was funny last time with the boxing and UFC streaming. Oh, that was ridiculous. And oh, and then um, boxing has a big night on ESPN. Um, Lomachenko's fighting. It's like, dude, another fight fans are having another good weekend. So I, I, you know, you can't help but just enjoy the ride. But Kayla, you have a big weekend coming up my MMA wife, my MMA love, why don't you tell me about this big event you're promoting? I'm so excited for you. Of course, you know, we know about your relationship with Epic, but talk to me. 
Yeah, Epic Fighting has a, a big fight night coming up next week. We'll talk more about it leading up to it, but there's going to be at least three titles on the line. Um, oh. Two of them are going to be for the ladies. Um, a few of them are going to be having the California state title as well as Epic title thrown out there. So lots of exciting stuff. I'm hoping that someone special will surprise me and tell me he can make it, but I know he's done been on the road a lot this week, so we'll see. We'll wait until after the weekend. Well, I will take that into account and I will wait for this person to maybe ask me and we will see what we can do at the when the time gets there. But no, um, I love Epic. Uh, you guys have a great crew there. Um, they have always treated me well. So I, And they're great fights. They are great amateur fights in San Diego. I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, guys, definitely um, look out for my social media because I will have post-fight scrums, interviews. I try to get all the content I can. Um, I also have already talked to some big stars. Alejandra Lara, who's going to be fighting Alima McFarlane in Bellator, was here at the weigh-ins yesterday. I got to talk to her about that upcoming fight. So big stuff coming. Kayla, I will be back soon, but where can the fans keep up with you on social media until then? Fans can keep up with me at fangirl underscore MMA. G, have a great time at Bellator. Can't wait to see more of your coverage and talk recap next week with you. Well, thank you, fans. You can find me on social media at Double G on TV. Just spell out the word double, and we will be back next week.